Welcome to the ASCA Viewpoints Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the student conduct profession in higher education. I'm Jill Creighton, your Viewpoints host. Today's episode features Pam Malik. Pam is currently the Assistant Dean of Students and Director of Student Conduct and Conflict Resolution at the University of Florida. She also volunteers with ASCA, where she's worked multiple years on the leadership team for the annual conference. She is currently on our Board of Directors for ASCA, serving ex officio as the conference chair for the 2018 annual conference. She will be talking to us today all about what to expect from our conference experience next week. Pam earned her Master of Arts in Education from the University of Connecticut's HESA program after receiving her Bachelor of Arts in Communication from UConn. She began her career in residence life at Boston College, where she was a conduct officer, as well as supervised large areas of their urban residential campus. She then served as the Senior Assistant Director for Residence Life at Bryant University in Rhode Island, overseeing the residential student conduct process, as well as residential technology and assignments. Prior to joining the University of Florida in June 2016, she was the Associate Director of Student Conduct in the Dean of Students Office at the Florida Atlantic University, where she was responsible for training and supervision of hearing officers and residence life and Dean of Students Office. We look forward to chatting with Pam today. Welcome to the podcast, Pam Malik. Pam is the Assistant Dean of Students and Director of Student Conduct and Conflict Resolution at the University of Florida, and she's also joining us today in her capacity as the 2018 ASCA Annual Conference Chair. Welcome, Pam. Thank you. Pam, we are really looking forward to chatting with you today about what to expect from the conference. So that is next week, and we're expecting about 1,000 ASCAers to descend on Jacksonville, Florida for our 30th anniversary. So what can we expect this year? We can expect a lot of special events related to our 30th annual conference, and we can also expect the great same quality of presentations from our colleagues around the country. So it's an exciting time, and we have some really special things in store for everybody. I can't wait to dig into that a bit more. But before we jump into all things conference, I was hoping you could share with us, how did you get to your current seat as Assistant Dean and Director at Florida, and how did you get to your current conference chair seat? What's your journey? Sure. I started out like a lot of people do in um, starting with a a position in housing, and I worked at Boston College for four years in housing and and residence education, and then I moved into an assistant director position at a small private institution in Rhode Island called Bryant University, and that position was still within housing, but it took on a little bit of a different flavor. Um, When I moved to Bryant, my role included um, housing operations, it included technology, and it included management of their student conduct process, and that's where I fell in love with student conduct. And then after uh, being there for about six years and really jumping into student conduct pretty heavily, I decided I wanted to make student conduct a full-time job and not just part of my job. And then I moved on to Florida Atlantic University, where I was the Associate Director of Student Conduct in their Dean of Students office there. And I stayed there for about three years and then had an opportunity to move over here uh, to the University of Florida, where I began my time and I became the interim director of the office, and then through a search process, I'm now the assistant dean and director of student conduct and conflict resolution. And congratulations to you on that permanent appointment. I know that's in the last couple of months, so that's really exciting. Yeah, it is. 
and then Pam, your uh, other side of your professional identity is with ASCA and through your mm-hmm. annual conference chair appointment. Uh, so how did you kind of navigate the ASCA waters of leadership to land in your current place? Sure. I started with volunteering, which is the thing I tell everybody. If you want to be involved in ASCA, volunteer. Spend some time, understand what the roles are. And so for me, that started as volunteering at the conference. I worked at registration for a few shifts and really enjoyed that. Got to know the people on the conference committee and then applied to be an extended member of the conference committee after about two years of volunteering and uh, joined in as a member of the communications team. And so worked on website stuff, worked on social media, newsletters, and really just jumped in headfirst and took on a lot of things that um, that I was able to and really learned as much as I could and absorbed as much as I could about the conference experience. And then after that, and really just saying, you know what, I want to do as much as I can volunteering at everything at the conference that year, I was able to jump into um, an additional role as the, the communications chair that next year, which was a core position. It just kind of worked my way through different jobs on the core committee until I really understood everything that it took to plan the conference and applied to be the conference chair um, this past this past summer, I guess you could say, um, and really got everything going at that point. And if I remember correctly, you were labeled the guidebook guru for the year as your communications chair. Yes, guidebook is a big task. Um, there was a lot to it, uh, so it's. It requires a lot of attention to detail, and so I've worked with some really amazing core committee members in the last few years who've been doing that same role and been able to say, hey, this is what worked for me, and have them just be able to do so many awesome things in that role. I've just been impressed with everybody else who's come um, after me, and then what I've learned from, like, Kara Chernoff and everybody before me of all the work they put into it. It is, it's a lot of work, but it's really worth it. And Guidebook has been one of our more successful conference initiatives. It took the uh, old paper program, which is typically out of date the second we print it, um, and made the program uh, much more dynamic, accessible. You can mark your schedule. You can change things up. You can you can categorize. You can do evaluations. Uh, so what can we expect from Guidebook this year? I would say you could still expect the same great quality, and we're making sure that we're getting as many area services in there as we can. Every time we move to a new location, we're always finding new and wonderful places that are off-site for people to explore. So there should be some added uh, different areas for people to take a look at this year, and there's going to be some more information about the special programs for our 30th Annual Conference, and that we'll have a little section in there that talks about our 30th Annual, so you can look and see what's specific just for the the anniversary event part. And you've referenced a couple of times now the core committee. And so for our listeners who are maybe new to the association or new to the conference team, what is the core committee and are there other positions available? Right. That is a really good question. So our conference committee is a large group of people. There is almost 30 people on our whole conference committee, and everybody has a task and a role that's associated with it. So there's two primary roles on the conference committee. There are core members and there are extended members. So the core members are a group of eight to nine people, uh, me being one of them, who is responsible for major functional areas of the conference. So logistics, communications, concurrent programs, 
pre-conferences and engagement programs, professional development, connections. And this year, we also have somebody who's working just with our special events for the 30th annual conference. So those folks each work with really great extended committee members who have very specific areas that they are spending their time on. And so those specific areas could be career connections. They can be entertainment. They could be um, some of our assistant chairs for programming and for pre-conferences, diversity initiatives. The list just goes on and on. So we have so many people who are just volunteering their time. And that's kind of really where those two types of involvement areas differ, that our core committee members, every single week we're on a phone call and we meet in the summer, we meet in the fall to make sure that the big 30,000 foot view of the conference is going well. And then our extended committee members have a little less time commitment. It's really a great starting place to uh, start working with the conference and really taking on one task and doing it incredibly well. And then it's a great place for them to say, yeah, I really love this experience. I want to try to um, be on the core and take on a bigger role. So it's a really great starting place for people. And I just want to make sure that we give such an incredible shout out to Pam and her team this year for putting together what I know is going to be an amazing conference. And you said something earlier, which is that these people are volunteering their time. So, you know, our conference chair, our assistant conference chair, our logistics person, et cetera, none of these folks are paid positions. They're all doing this for the love and of the association and the conference. Uh, so, Pam, would you like to take a moment to give shout outs to your team? I would. With 30 people on my conference committee, it is going to be hard for me to name everybody. But the folks who are on the core committee who I talk with every single week are just incredibly awesome people. Um, So my assistant conference chair is Christine Simone. Our logistics chair is Aaron Daigle. Our communications chair is Mike Rager. Our professional growth chair is Carrie Gerard. Our connections chair is Amanda um, Weber. And then our Our 30th anniversary uh, events chair is Lance Watson, and our program's chair this year was Christina Liang, who is going to also be the incoming treasurer on the ASCA board, and then our pre-conferences and engagement programs chair is Weston Prisbury. So we have just wonderful folks that we're working with. Definitely. And then I also want to acknowledge uh, that we are very excited to have passed uh, Christine Simone as the next conference chair. So she'll be chairing the 2019 conference. Uh, So Pam, we know that she'll do a great job following in your footsteps. So with this great team that you've got this year assembled, uh, what can what can people expect from year two in Jacksonville? Uh, What might be new or what might be really exciting or that you're really looking forward to sharing? Sure. Uh, Jacksonville was uh, affected by Hurricane Irma and has come through it fantastically. So I know we've gotten some questions about how's the city. The city has come back to life in a really wonderful way. Uh, So the hotel is building a brand new lobby. And I would say about nine tenths of that will be done by the time that we're there. Anything not done will not impact us greatly. But we'll see a wonderful new lobby. Um, All of our conference spaces will still be used in a really great way. What we've changed up a little bit is how we're using some of those social spaces, which I think is a lot of the feedback that we got from folks last year is how and where we're getting that social passing by, chatting with people, networking spaces. So we've moved the living room from out of the conference center where all the meeting rooms were, and we moved it down into that uh, ballroom foyer area. And we've really made that a hub of connection for people. So that's going to be a really big visual change. We're going to have some 
great visual displays of the history of ASCA, new ways to interact with our our business partners, and then also having that be the hub for getting involved and seeing people and networking. So we'll have some great furniture in there just to sit and spend time with people and really just kind of take in everything that's going on. So the space will be used slightly differently, but really in a great way. Excellent. And I hear we are bringing back um, incoming President-elect Sean Callagher for trivia. I know that's always super popular. Uh, What other social connections might people be able to look forward to? Sure. We are bringing back the very popular karaoke um, over at Finn McCool's. That was a really great event. So we're able to use that indoor-outdoor space that they have because the weather, even if it's slightly cool, we'll still be able to be using inside and outside of that venue. Um, And it was a really nice spot to be able to do that. So we're bringing that back again. Um, We're also bringing back the fun run again. So our entertainment team is going to be taking that on um, for year two and really running with it to benefit the foundation. Um, And they have some great ideas for that. And so we're still working on a few other special tweaks and surprises that I'm just going to wait till everybody sees when they get here in a few days. Uh, But we have some really great stuff in store. And now, of course, the reason we all actually go to the conference is for the learning sessions and the keynote speakers and featured speakers. Uh, Who can we expect to see coming back and what might be new? Sure. So in terms of our concurrent programs, I'll start there. We just had an incredible number of people apply to present at the conference this year, and we've selected some really high-quality programs from a variety of different topics. I know um, a lot of folks will say, gosh, I don't want to sit through every Title IX presentation over and over again. We have a really great, diverse offering of programs. I've seen some great programs on academic integrity come through, ones on restorative justice. So we're really getting a great mix of programming that should meet everybody's needs based on what the proposals look like when they came in. And then for our featured sessions, um, I know we always have our folks who love legislative updates and the case law review. Those will be back. We know they're everybody's favorites. Um, So those will be back again. And then we are changing up our lunchtime session. So we have this fluid time that last year we used as our diversity and inclusion lunch session. This year we are using it as a 30th anniversary panel uh, lunch session where there's going to be a panel where uh, we'll solicit questions from the group that is really specific about um, the future of ASCA, asking questions of some of our past leadership and really getting a a wisdom perspective, um, looking at where we've been and where we're going that keeps their theme of really lighting our path forward. And then along with that, our keynote speaker is Tim Wise. He's going to be talking to us about white privilege and how that plays out in the work that we do. And I know that he is a speaker that people have given some really great feedback and excitement around um, to continue the conversation we started last year. And then we'll be infusing some follow-up sessions throughout the conference so that every day we can continue that discussion about how inclusion really should be a part of our organization in a visual and um, inclusive way for everybody. You mentioned the panel a couple of times. Are you able to tease anyone who's going to be sitting on that panel or is it going to be a big surprise? Right now, it's going to be a surprise because we have two different things in the works. So we have our lunch panel, and then we also have 
um, a separate panel that's going to be happening during one of our concurrent sessions. Um, so we would like to keep that under wraps uh, just for a few more days, and then we will make sure that we get that out there for everybody to see because we have some really great names who are going to be on that panel. Um, but we want to make sure that we're confirming everybody before I release those names just this minute. Fair enough. Well, I know that I'm really excited to welcome back some of our past leaders. I know that there are a lot of our founders and early presidents who are thrilled to be coming back for the 30th anniversary conference, celebrate their successes as well and see how we've grown. Uh, And one of the ways that we've grown a lot is we have, you know, a probably a couple of dozen now communities of practice or COPs as well as committees. Uh, and those mm-hmm. have kind of changed time slots over the years. So where can people expect to find those as well as our state and region meetings this year? Sure. We have placed all of our committees and COPs back within our concurrent time blocks. And that was feedback that we had gotten. So it has switched over time as to whether it was one block where everything happened all at once or whether it was in concurrent blocks. And so we've gone back to putting it back in concurrent blocks because some of the feedback that we got from people is they don't necessarily want to have to choose between multiple sets of involvement or if it's an identity-based COP, they don't want to choose between involvement and maybe identity. And we want to be sensitive to that and really help people get as much out of the conference as possible. And if people are not necessarily involved in any of those, they're able to make sure they're going to concurrent sessions and not just kind of have this dead zone of time where nothing's occurring. So we've put committees and COPs directly into concurrent time blocks. Now, state and region meetings, we are keeping the way that we um, we have had them for the last few years. So those are going to be on Friday afternoon. Traditionally, we've always had it Friday afternoon. We're going to continue with that. And we have them spread throughout the conference property, knowing that a lot of our state and regions will have a group dinner afterwards. So we're making sure that's the last thing that's happening that day so they can adjourn and go and spend some quality networking time with the other folks from their state or region if they choose to. Excellent. I'm also going to give a shout out to the Women of Color Summit. Uh, This will be our 10-year anniversary of the Women of Color Summit. And there are a couple of women of color who've really helped make this possible, uh, starting with past president and past caring chair Tamara King, uh, also past board member Cindy Vasquez-Barrios, current board member Akila Jones, and also Hortense Roscoe, Valronica Scales, and many, many other women of color. So we're looking forward to celebrating our 10-year anniversary this year. And I know the African American Male Black Male Summit will continue this year as well. Um, Are there any other interesting affinity programs that might be happening? At this point in time, I haven't heard from anybody else. Um, But both of the summits that you mentioned are still going to be on Thursday. So they're going to start in the last concurrent block, continue through a designated summit time. So there is plenty of time to spend and have community without having to kind of push against the dinner hour and knowing that a lot of the um, the folks who are going to attend the summit will choose to also want to go to a dinner afterwards, that we've made sure that that's how Thursday night works for us. So at this point in time, I haven't heard um, too much about any other engagement programs that are looking to be held, but we still have people who are contacting us and letting us know, I'd like some space. We also know that the conference is usually about a third of first-time attendees every year. Uh, So if I'm a first-time attendee and I'm listening to this podcast, um, what advice would you give me for my very first ASCA conference? Gosh, that's a loaded question. There are a lot, (laughs) there's a lot of things that that I would want people to think about at their first conference. One, don't think you have to do it all. There is a lot going on at our conference. 
And you don't have to go to absolutely every single thing. While there is so many great things to experience and so many programs to go to, balance out, you know, a break time for yourself in there because it is possible to go to a concurrent session every single hour of the day and never take a break, never eat lunch. So make sure that you're, you're thinking about yourself in there. I would say network, get to know people. First time attendees, um, if this is your first ASCA, there's a lot of people who've known each other for many years. This is a time to really make sure that you're using your network, getting to know people in your state and region, and really understanding the, the family vibe that ASCA has and the real community that we have to offer our colleagues and make lasting relationships with people who are in our field to make sure that you're you know, getting to know people, getting business cards, talking to them, going to social events to truly make a connection with people. And I'll offer two tips on top of that. I think the first one is when you do exchange business cards, just write yourself a quick little note about what you talked about on the back of that person's card. So when you go home with a stack of 20, you might go, oh, wait, I remember we talked about academic integrity. We talked about sexual misconduct. We talked about marijuana sanctions, et cetera. Um, Because I know that when I get home, if I haven't done that, I can't remember what I talked about with folks. um, And it's easier to go back and revisit that connection later. The other tip that I would give is to volunteer if it's your very first conference. I know that there's at least one core committee member this year who started out his ASCA journey as a volunteer at registration, and it was a great way to interface with other core committee members as well as meet people as they were coming in the door. Um, So Pam, I'm wondering if you can share what volunteer opportunities might be around this year. Sure. We are always adding more volunteer opportunities. It feels like every day. Um, so, there, yes, there is a registration. Registration volunteers are the absolute backbone of what we need to make sure the conference is running. Registration is, is just that at the beginning. It is making sure people get their information, get their name tag. But then throughout the conference, our registration table essentially becomes the frequently asked questions table. It is a place where if you don't know where to get help, you go there. You start there. Um, so we are always looking to make sure that we have people there. Some of the other opportunities is working the silent auction. We generally need a good number of people to make sure that we're helping to get the silent auction up and running to make sure our foundation is supported. While we don't do uh, room hosts for evaluations, we are looking to make sure that there is assistance and volunteers to help us get people in and out of the large sessions. There are some signups for that. There's going to be some entertainment signups as well. We're looking for people to help score trivia, um, to do signups for karaoke. So there's going to be a couple of different things that are coming out as the days go on. So if some things are filled up on our volunteer spot, continue to look because essentially every week we're getting more and more opportunities coming open. Excellent. I know that uh, it's always a hot thing to to be a volunteer at the conference because you do get to network. You do get to meet so many new people and find out different ways to interface with the association. You also mentioned earlier that lighting the path forward is the theme, and that's all over our marketing materials this year. It's a really beautiful lantern logo. What does lighting the path forward mean to you, and how did you arrive at this uh, conference theme? Sure. One, I love lanterns. (laughs) Just a sidebar. I love lanterns. Um, When I was thinking about where we are as a profession, I feel like we've gotten to a point and we really need to say, okay, I'm going to pin it, put a pin where we are right now. And we need to say where we're standing now. How are we looking forward? How are we writing our future? Because a lot of the narrative that has been in the last few years really has been other people kind of governing and legislating what we do. 
And for us, it's saying, how are we showing what we're doing going forward? How are we kind of taking back the expert seat and saying, we are the experts, we are the ones with the knowledge base, and we are the ones who are truly educating our students. So we need to shine the light in the darkness and say, here's where we're going and have people follow us as opposed to having people lead us somewhere. I'm looking forward to seeing how we light the path forward this year. I know that we'll be making some big announcements at the business meeting this year. Uh, So if you are coming to the conference, please don't miss the business meeting because you won't want to miss this unveiling of this information. I won't share exactly what that is yet, but I promise you'll want to get up for the 8 a.m. session in order to make that happen. Um, But we are also quickly approaching the end of our regular registration rate period of time. Uh, Pam, that goes up on the 18th, is that right? Yep. So on the 18th, we are going to have an increase um, by $100. We want to make sure that everybody gets their registration, and if they humanly possibly can, uh, by January 17th. Um, And I know we had heard from people that they're still trying to work out maybe some funding um, with their institutions, but just know that at the end of business on the 17th, um, when we switch over to business on the 18th, that rate is going to increase um, to $490. So if you know that you or your institution is not going to be able to register by the 17th, you want to make sure you're thinking in the back of your mind um, that that increase is going to happen and that you plan for that. So um, up until the 17th, we are for member rate, we are at $390. Non-members, $510. And student members, it's $250. Beginning on January 18th, our late registration rate for members is $490. Non-members, it's $610. And student members is $350. And then we'll do one more jump right at uh, on-site. Right. So on-site, so anybody who is not able to register um, essentially by February 7th, um, we are going to have on-site registration. So at a certain period of time, we do have to close web registration so that we can process some of those numbers and make sure that we're letting the hotel and conference site We have to give them a ballpark on how many people are we feeding, how many chairs do we need, your basic logistic information. Um, And then on-site registration, uh, if you're going to come to the conference and you haven't registered, our member registration rate on-site is 525, our non-member rate is 645, and our student rate is 400. So we really encourage people to make sure that you are registering ahead of time and not waiting to do on-site registration because that price does go up again. Uh, is there anything else that you want the membership to know or maybe even non-members who are attending our conference? I would say we want you to come. We want you to have a great time. We want to make sure that you're getting connected. And if you're not really sure how to do that or who to meet, if you're new to the field, because we, aside from first-time attendees, we also get some folks who are new to student conduct at our conference, let us know. Just ask. And then anybody who is on our conference committee will be happy to introduce you to people and explain to you how our best ways to get involved, how to meet people, or try to get you connected to some folks who might be in your region. So make sure you connect with us if you're really not sure where to get started. In our regions, we have five. We've got Canada, the West, the East, the South, and then the Midwest. So there is definitely a home for your state or province. And if you're coming from another international country, uh, we will find a home for you somewhere. So there's always a space for you. It's a great professional home for many of us. Uh, I know that we have usually at least uh, a dozen or two members or non-members coming from outside of North America. So we're excited to welcome you and make connections with you as well. Uh, Pam, anything else? 
I think that's it. I just can't wait to see everybody. Me too. It's only a week away. So we wish everyone safe travels. Uh, And Pam, as we like to ask every guest, what are you reading right now? Um, I'm reading a couple of different things. Um, I think I'm still catching up on a book that Jennifer Waller bought me for Christmas last year that I still haven't read. So I'm working on Lean In. I know it's the thing that everybody has read already, except for this lady right here. I haven't read it yet. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm, I'm working on leaning in and reading that book currently. Excellent. Um, and the, the author on that is? Cheryl Sandberg. And she was the former uh, CEO of Facebook, I believe, yeah? Yes, Facebook or Google. I think it's Facebook, yeah. Excellent. Uh, and Pam, if people have questions for you about the conference, where can they find more information? Sure. I'm going to give you three different connection points. One, our website. Um, it is ASCAConference.com. We're always updating it. All of the archived newsletters are on there. So if you've missed any of them or you want to catch up on information, ASCAConference.com. You can always get to us on social media, and that's at ASCA2018. So ASCA2018, the numerals. Or you can email me at PamMalik at gmail.com, and that's P-A-M-M-A-L-Y-K at gmail.com. And let's also just let listeners know, if you're new to us and you search for ASCA Conference, there is another organization that has a similar name, uh, and they're the Mm -hmm. American School Counselor Association. So just make sure that you're on the Student Conduct Administrator website before you register. We've had a a couple of crossovers in the past, um, so just to put that out in space. Uh, Well, Pam, we are so excited to join you down in Jacksonville and your team next week. We wish everyone safe travels, and we appreciate you sharing your viewpoint. Great, thanks. Really happy to do this. Next week on the ASCA Viewpoints podcast, we will be taking a break as we head down to Jacksonville, Florida to enjoy our annual conference and our keynote speaker, Tim Wise. If you are down in Jacksonville, please come say hello and give us your feedback on the podcast. Both Colleen Mater and I will be down there uh, hoping to hear from you and hoping to learn more about who you would like to hear from on the show. So looking forward to seeing you and please travel safe. This episode was produced and hosted by Jill Creighton, that's me, produced, edited, and mixed by Colleen Mater. Special thanks to New York University's Office of Student Conduct and Community Standards and to the University of Oregon's Dean of Students team for allowing us the time and space to create this project. If you're enjoying the podcast, we ask that you please like, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps others discover us and helps us become more visible in the general podcasting community. If you have suggestions for future guests or would like to be featured on the podcast yourself, please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at ASCA Podcast or by email at ASCAPodcast at gmail.com.